Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Thanks for tuning in today. So you're in for a treat. I got one of the biggest experts and most respected people in the biohacking world today. It is Oli Savoyan. That was really terrible with the name. Sorry, we even practiced this before. So um, Oli, as he's also known as, he is one of the co-founders of the Biohacker Summit. Everyone in the biohacker field probably know about that, but for the ones that haven't been as deep, it is one of the biggest conferences or summits in the world within biohacking, where you find some of the best experts in the world flying in. It's different places from Toronto to Stockholm to Helsinki, so really a great place. He's also the co-founder of the Biohacker Center. We'll learn more about that later as well. And then he's the co-author of the Biohacker Handbook a book with, I think, more than 1,500 references. So when people are often like, yeah, is there any proof around that? There's no studies and so on. Well, today we really got the guy that know about way too many studies and can explain what's really up and down. So, uh, Ali, thank you so much for uh, for joining today. Thank you, Mads. Uh, I think that was like the worst pronunciation <laughs> my name ever. So <laughs> it's all only Soviary, but I, I, I love it because I, I like the Danish yeah. Danish language, uh, it's it's uh, it's so unique. <laughs> I had a guest on as well from uh, the Netherlands. That yeah. was apparently really, really far off as well. That's, oh uh, yeah, that, that's another one too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, going in, you're a medical doctor. Yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, I graduated uh, 2006 from the University of Helsinki Medical School. And from from there on, I've been doing all kinds of things related to medicine yeah so how did you go from doing traditional medicine which is often like this just the drugs to then suddenly yeah. going deep into biohacking figuring out there's so many more things we can do yeah it's it's uh it was kind of like a saturation point for me i was at at one point uh doing like very long hours and taking like patients in patients out like uh, I remember one day it was like a Christmas day or something like I was working 14 hours straight and I had like 93 patients. Um, I remember that that was one of the turning points that I realized I I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And uh, there's, there's going to be something, something else, some, some other way of helping people. And uh, I've been like really interested in nutrition and movement and exercise and so on for, for the whole, whole of my life. So I kind of turned into that, into more like lifestyle medicine. Yeah, super interesting. But it's always nice when we have a doctor on board that have yeah, that background. Sure. So uh, so what's been some of the, the stuff that you moved into with all this biohacking and some of your story you've been doing, the biohackers and the, the handbook, the summit and so on. Can you tell a bit about the about that journey? Yeah, first and foremost, uh, I'm a biohacker myself, and I've been uh, without knowing of being a biohacker for for years and years. And it has to do with uh, like healing myself from almost being burned out and like a super chronically stressed and having uh, all kinds of health health problems. Although I've been like very healthy and very fit 
on my life, but but still uh, being tired and and uh, low energy and so on. So that it's been a journey into myself mostly. And and in 2013 we decided to begin writing the Biohackers Handbook, and it's it's been a growing journey from from there on. And 2014 we had the first Biohackers Summit event. So it's been five five six years already. So time flies. So yeah, it does. As you're one of the biggest experts, there's so many things we can talk about. But we agreed before that we're going to dig a bit deeper into sleep because that's so important for all of us. And I definitely need to learn some more because I have extremely low deep sleep despite being in my bed. So uh, you just wrote mm. a big article about sleep. Yeah, uh, I think uh, about the time this is this podcast is coming out, it, the article is all, also out. It's going to be out in Ben Greenfield Fitness uh, blog or article site with uh, hopefully like reaching millions of readers. So it's it's about biohacking and optimizing your deep sleep, especially deep sleep. So it, it's a massive piece of, <laughs> of writing. It's it's uh, could be actually like a small book. It's uh, 40 pages with 200 references and everything I personally also use for optimizing my deep sleep. And, and uh, one of the things was that I've been having sleeping issues like in the past. I used to sleep too little. The quality was very bad. Uh, I was totally overburned and overstressed. So uh, fixing my sleep and really putting effort on it has been also a big journey. And that's, that's why it's, it's so hugely important topic yeah. for me personally also. And if someone out there listening, by any chance, don't know why sleep is important, they've been living <laughs> under a rock. Just a few words yeah. on that. Yeah, basically every animal, every every like uh, living being. Uh, I think plants even sleep, but every animal sleeps. So it's it's been uh, evolutionary chosen way of recharging and uh, rejuvenating a different kind of mammals and and. Uh, species humans included so that's that's essential it's it's key part of our our nature even though at sleep we are, we are vulnerable and uh, might be like uh, hunted by predators and so on but still the evolution has chosen sleep as a primary uh, point of healing so so uh, we spend or should spend about a third of our lives sleeping but many people do not do that, and uh, it's 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 seeing in, in all kinds of uh, things related to health and health uh, problems and yeah. sickness. So, how do we get that good sleep? Like, what's some of the important factors? Well, just go to bed and sleep. <laughs> 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 no, uh, it's it's a like multifaceted thing. It's. Uh, has to get to do with so many things and also genetics play a role. I just skimmed to, through uh, uh, various uh, research on, on sleep. So, you know, the people who are like, they go to bed, then sleep, sleep and wake up in the morning and they're always like that. And then there are people who are struggling with first, first like getting into sleep and then staying into sleep and then sleeping enough. So there, there is uh, a lot of things has to do with genetics, but and where can uh, we not, best figure that out? So let's say, super mm, cool. we want to figure out, do I have the genetic for sleeping well? Or is that not important at all? 
Should I just it, optimize it, my sleep by using different tools? Uh, yes and yes. You should optimize your sleep uh, no matter what your genetic makeup is. But uh, it might be interesting to find out some kind of uh, aspects on, on, on the genes. Uh, many of the things has to do with uh, adenosine deaminase gene, which, which is uh, like basically involved in the, in the metabolism of adenosine. And adenosine is a molecule that uh, if it goes up like uh, too high and we, we tend to get sleepy and for example coffee is blocking the adenosine A2 receptors but there are a lot of uh, like genetic uh, polymorphisms in these these receptors and those have to do with uh, people who are like more sensitive caffeine like I am they might need more sleep and you might need to fix your caffeine intake a lot lower and then there are people who have no effect on, on coffee <laughs> they can drink coffee and take caffeine like even going to bed and it still doesn't affect your sleeping. Uh, one big uh, study found this like Prima 1 gene, which is uh, an Australian study. It's affecting sleep. And then there was this recent study done uh, in mice uh, with the mutation in this SIK3 gene. Uh, that's That's not been really studied in humans uh, yet. And one interesting study was uh, with the ApoE, ApoE4. So you you might have heard of the ApoE genes. So it's it's predisposing to Alzheimer's disease if you have the E4 allele, uh, especially if, if you have both of the E4 alleles. But uh, even with the one allele, people are, are at risk for uh, getting poor sleep and less deep sleep. For example, I have one pair of the ApoE4 so that that's uh, one of the things that might be genetically uh, like uh, saying how how much we should sleep and how much we should pay attention to sleep. Yeah, and twenty three and Me would that be a good test, or is it the one from Toronto, or any recommendations on what's best? Yeah, twenty three and Me, and you run uh, like uh, with the uh, different uh, programs. So you get the analysis, more deeper analysis. It doesn't matter really what's what's the uh, company or, or the test, as long as you get these basic, basic like polymorphisms. Yeah. So for example, me, I know I'm a slow metabolizer of caffeine, and I have the ApoE E4 slash E3 gene. So I need on my based on my genetic makeup more sleep. So for example, for me, eight and a half hours of uh, sleep is is good. It's yep. it's perfect amount of sleep for me. If I get lower, I might get by, especially in the summertime. But in the winter time, I really need to get that much sleep. Yeah, that I definitely need my eight hours as well. Uh, yeah. Since I was a kid, uh, I'm in a very good mood normally. But if I only get six hours, uh, I can do for a few yeah. days. But I'm definitely not on top. Yeah. So so yeah. what are some of the things to do to get good sleep? Well, um, first you have to do with like all the basics. You, uh, I would recommend going and optimizing with the circadian rhythm. So you go to sleep like uh, around the same same time within an hour at, at in the evening and uh, try to wake up usually the same time. So have like a steady, regular sleeping rhythm. That's uh, according to like like I would say most of the researchers say that having steady circadian rhythm is the key for sleep and also having enough time to actually sleep so if you have like an eight hour window 
just for lying in the bed, but you're probably not going to sleep the whole whole eight hours. You have to like extend that period to 10 hours to get the eight hours sleep. So that's uh, just like um, scheduling more time for for relaxation and sleep. Also chronic stress. Uh, If you're chronically stressed, you have to really uh, make uh, put attention to lowering and balancing the stress levels. Yeah. So those are like the two basic things. And then, of course, comes light. You, you don't want to have like very bright lights, blue light, white light in the evening, but you would want that during the day. So that that's that's like going by the uh, cycles of the nature. So the sun rises, you get a lot of bright light, and then the sun sets, uh, you get mostly red light and then and darkness. So, so do you use blue blocking glasses in the evening or? Yeah, yeah, I've been using those like I don't know five years. Yeah, and I I dim all the lights in the evening and and use the glasses to three or four hours before going to sleep and just like try to optimize the what would be in the natural light lighting and. And yeah. do you use something like flux or iris yeah. on your screen to to dim the light or? Yeah, I have actually both. So I've been I've been trying both. They both work. So uh, that's that's something I've also used for years. So and also on the on my phone, uh, I use the night shift, and then I actually you can actually adjust. I I use like this uh, reverse coloring uh, when actually everything into red <laughs> so yeah. that's that's really really effective and of course you don't want to be like using too much electronics and and getting getting like too much stimulation in the evening too there's something i i still have to work on because i like to like uh, listen to podcasts and, and just like watch some interesting videos for example about sleep and before going to sleep, so yeah. <laughs> I, I've noticed that if I just learn something just right before I go to sleep, I rem- rememberize it better. Yeah. yeah, interesting. And what else is important in regards to sleep? So I've heard a lot of different things from eating honey to not yeah. eating late dinners to exercise not two hours before, and then I heard another sleep expert saying that there was a new research saying that that actually wasn't true. Mushrooms, cold rooms, dark, mm. light, EMF. Where, where would you yeah, start? A lot, a lot of things. Well, I would stick with the pre- basics. Uh, the, one of the basic things is the body temperature regulation. So if you're too hot or too cold, you're not being really being able to sleep. Like adjusting your uh, the temperature of your bedroom. The optimal is actually, based on research, it's, it's 15 to 19 uh, Celsius. So it's it's pretty pretty low, and if you're not used to that, uh, it, it, I would I would recommend like 19 to 20. But if you're like over 24 degrees, and then it's gonna be disrupting your sleep. But also if you go like super under 12 degrees, it's gonna be affecting your sleep. But you wanna be cooling cooling yourself off. So that means not doing like heavy exercises two hours before going to bed. But on the other hand, doing heavy exercise has been shown to increase deep sleep. Yeah, if you're not overly stressed. So, so it it, it all depends. So you want to be optimizing melatonin production. So that has to do a lot with the lighting. So more red light in the evening, and and as you mentioned here, some 
different kind of uh, foods and supplements that support the melatonin production. We can go go there a bit later. Uh, basic things, of course, you want to be uh, cutting down the electromagnetic pollution. You don't want to be like uh, spending too much time with dif- different kind of like uh, devices that uh, like emit these kind of uh, electromagnetic signals. So like turning off Wi-Fi, turning off your iPhone or phone and. So you said something about phones, Wi-Fi, turning that off. So I yeah. think most people that's gone deep into biohacking have heard about this before. But people yeah. who haven't think it's, it's absolutely crazy. Like, what should be wrong with Wi-Fi? We have Wi-Fi all around us. What, what, what's the deal with that? Well, uh, we are also in nature electromagnetic beings. So we are run by electrochemical signals. So, of course, we are... Um, like in, in, in connection with our environment. So if, if you have a lot of like mobile phones around uh, like Wi-Fi routers and, and these, these 4, 4G like emitting stations and even worse would be like the 5G, which I, I, don't, I never wish to encounter. That's but, coming know, to Denmark now. So that's absolutely perfect. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the scariest things I've ever seen like in terms of like... Uh, uh, well, I don't. I don't want to go like like into this like <laughs> dystopic dystopic uh, views, but but it's something you you would want to avoid as yeah. as long as you can. But uh, reducing the EMF exposure, uh, you certainly will get more deep sleep. So you what you could do are like, well, for at first like grounding yourself or earthing yourself before going to sleep. You, that actually happens when you take a shower. The water is is, is really grounding but you can also go outside and stand stand there like barefoot for a while or if you wouldn't want to do that you, you can use these like crowding mats and and uh, uh, like earthing shoes and and so on uh, or just like take a sauna yeah take a dip, dip to water i i would rather prefer that <laughs> and how close to your so. sleep do you have to do that like 10 minutes before or it's like two hours before an hour before fine well if if you're speaking about particularly sauna yeah. and you're getting like really good heat exposure then cold exposure i would i would recommend like five hours in between because it has been actually shown to activate the sympathetic nervous system for about four or five hours and then the, the bounce back of the parasympathetic nervous system that's that's the uh, relaxing more more like repairing system but in terms of like grounding, as long as you do it, like during the day, you are diminishing the effects of the EMF. Yeah. Just going back to the sauna. So yeah. let's say, so a place close to me called Rørt, I just interviewed a guy called Jeppe. He has this uh, sauna sessions at 8.30 to 9.30. And I normally go to bed around 10, 10.30. <laughs> so yeah. is that actually, does that have a, a negative effect? Yeah. Yeah, okay. it does. It, it's okay. uh, keeping the first. Is, it's it's keeping your sympathetic nervous system active for a bit too long, and and you you might still be a bit too hot uh, unless you're like going into cold 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 baths and so yeah. on. So it's also a cold bath there. So yeah, but yeah, but the re- research shows that you should have like five hours minimum of uh, difference. Okay. Between sauna and going to sleep, so. Is that That's, the same with an infrared sauna? Um, it depends on, not, not necessarily with the infrared sauna, uh, or actually we wouldn't actually call it a sauna, it's more like an infrared heating room. Yeah. 
but that's another <laughs> topic. So, so the, the the stimulus is is it's quite different. The temperature is not that high, and it's it's more into deep tissue stimulation. So, uh, I I go every evening to this infrared heating room. Uh, I I would say about three 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 hours before going to sleep, and I have no difficulties in getting oh. to sleep or or being too hot or too stimulated. Okay. Just going back to the sauna quickly. So, so if looking from a health perspective and not only from a sleep perspective, so having the choice between doing the sauna at 8.30 or not doing it, what, <laughs> what, what, what do I do next Wednesday? Uh, I would still, still go because uh, the benefits probably exceed and you're going to have the, like a bounce back. Yeah. Effect, but it's gonna just happen later in the in the night. So of course, it depends how what time you have to wake up and how many hours you have yeah. time to spend in the bed. But I was still so. You just fell out. You were saying, but you would still go in the sauna. I was yeah. still ghost. So okay, yes. perfect. So I can still go on Wednesdays. That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, knowing yeah. that it will affect <laughs> my sleep a little bit negatively. Perfect. I promised to ask from a good friend, uh, Jarl, uh, because he's looking at whether to buy a sauna. Or whether to get um, not an infrared sauna, but uh, as you just said, uh, infrared. <laughs> what uh, what's best if you had to choose between just buying one of them? What would you buy? Well, uh, there are like different kind of saunas. So if you have a chance to get the real wood warm sauna, then I would go with that. Yeah. But probably that's not the case. It's it's has to probably it's the electric sauna. So between electric warm sauna and infrared sauna i would go with the infrared sauna. Yeah. so i have both at my home i have the wood warm sauna and uh, the infrared heating room or sauna so yeah and when you say wood warm <laughs> that's actually burning some wood yes yes okay. that's that's the like the real old school sauna and there's a big difference between like uh, electric saunas and and a real wood warm sauna in the terms of the ions they produce so uh the the electric sauna produces positive ions which might make you a bit nervous and like not not in tune it's definitely not crowding but the wood warm sauna is actually creating negative ions which help you help you to crowd so okay and what does that mean positive and negative ions uh, that's basically meaning you're getting a lot of uh, electrons, so electrons are negatively uh, uh, okay. charged, charged. So that's also the crowding effect of this real wood warm sauna. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> but but jumping back to sleep, I know I could talk to you for hours and days to learn about this. So we're turning off the light. We're turning off our phones. It's going to be fairly hmm. cold in our room. Yeah, and not not too cold, but like yeah, optimal optimal. Fifteen cold. to sixteen oh. degrees. Yeah, and, uh, you don't even have to go that low. I would say like nineteen is is okay. for for so. most of the people enough. I I sleep in in about fifteen to sixteen, but of course in the summertime it's it's hotter and I don't have a real cooler system, so it it might get up to like nineteen twenty. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And something about sun in the morning, one of the first things. Yeah, yeah, you definitely want to get uh, as quickly as possible some real light. If you if that's not possible, just use a bright light lamp, or or just this like seasonal affective disorder uh, therapeutic lamps. 
to get this um, light stimulation and it should be bright, it should be white light, blue light. Uh, that, so that's going to be like uh, reprogramming the circadian rhythms and uh, it's going to be stopping the melatonin being in the blood and, and so on. So uh, using light, uh, of course, sunlight is, is the best way. So if you have a chance and there's sun actually outside and just go so go outside and ground yourself barefoot and take some sun so that's that's the best way yeah. to to like uh, recharge your body and also like to make make it work like good rhythm good circadian rhythm yeah and what else can we do for for getting better sleep and deep sleep well <laughs> all, all kinds of things um it depends on where, where, which direction we want to go. I have like a tons of different kind of hacks for deep sleep. Uh, maybe maybe we'd go with some points on the, on the nutrition side mm-hmm. because there are like definitely things that have been researched. So in the article, I go to like ten supplements uh, for deep sleep that actually work and are backed up by science. So so my absolute favorite is magnesium. Not just like any form of magnesium, but there are different different forms of magnesium that actually help okay. sleep, and they help help the liver to cleanse itself and uh, provide some amino acids. So what I use is this triple magnesium that's containing magnesium glycinate, magnesium taurate, and magnesium malate. So those uh, glycine and taurine amino acids in the magnesium, they are supporting the liver and also helping to relax because they're like, the amino acids are in itself uh, also uh, promoting GABA, which is like this uh, relaxing neurotransmitter. So it's definitely helping you to relax. And of course, magnesium has like, it's been involved in over 300 uh, processes in the body and it's been shown to help you relax and get more deeper sleep. Yeah. And what, so I have a functional doctor that I go to. So he puts together my supplements and I also Mm. have magnesium, but uh, that's in the morning. And I heard you normally take in the evening. What's your take on that? He doesn't do it for, uh, for sleep. Okay. Well, uh, you definitely should take it in the evening just because it it makes you more relaxed and it's helping the processes of getting more deep sleep, especially you can take it during the day also, but, uh, it, it's actually like uh, lowering cortisol and, uh, and all kinds of things that are beneficial for the home hormonal circadian rhythms and improving melatonin production and uh, helping the parasympathetic nervous system to go go on more and increasing the heart rate variability and so on. Yeah. There's a lot of and lot how, of studies. How much magnesium would you take? Uh, there's this uh, recommendation of of six to ten milligrams per body weight oh, in kilograms. Yeah. So, for example, I, I take, uh, it depends on how active I've been, but I take around 600 to 800 milligrams of magnesium. I even go at some days even to 1,000. But uh, if you're getting like two loose tools, then it's usually a sign of getting too much magnesium or or of the magnesium the wrong kind. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And do you take it with food, without food, right before bed or... Uh, I take it about like an hour before going to sleep and doesn't really matter if you take it with food or without, it's, it's still going to be like uh, uh, digested with the gut. So. Awesome. That's something that I'm going to test out. Yeah. So that was the first yeah. of nine. <laughs> yeah, that's the first time. Let's go through 
So my next favorite is it's taurine, L-taurine amino acids. As it, it's it's been, um, it's also helping to like produce more GABA, which is this uh, relaxing neurotransmitter. And uh, there's a lot of studies uh, that are mostly animal studies, but they it's been shown to reduce anxiety and also like stimulate production of new brain cells and uh, help with the cardiac output and and many things so taurine has been my staple for many years and i i take it also during the day just to keep this calm calm state and uh, then i amp up it, it uh, before going to sleep so i i take usually like 2000 milligrams of taurine before going to sleep but if you've never tried it you should, like first try with uh, like 500 to 1000 milligrams okay yeah you have heard that <laughs> haven't tried that yet no okay yeah. How many pills do you take a day? Uh, I don't count. No. <laughs> so, so I have a container where most people that in my environment thinks I'm taking a lot, but I'm I'm sure that you're taking a lot more. Also, well, the team yeah, it depends. Some of them are powder forms. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So that was uh, second. We got no uh, sorry two. That we got eight more to go. Yeah, so you want to be op- optimizing uh, tryptophan uh, intake from the food. So tryptophan is, is in the melatonin synthesis uh, like pathway. In the, in, it's the first step. So from tryptophan, you're making melatonin and serotonin and so on. So you, you want to be trying to like, consume in all kinds of food that are very high in tryptophan. So uh, many think of banana, but it's not banana doesn't actually have it has like 30 milligrams of tryptophan per 100 grams, so it's it's very low. So better foods would be, okay, I have this list, it would be like turkey, chicken, uh, pork, beef, reindeer, herring, cashew nuts, pumpkin seeds, uh, liver, spirulina, whey protein, and so on. Yeah. Any time that's important to take this or eat this kind of stuff or just whenever throughout the day? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would uh, use uh, or, or do this more in the in the evening or with the dinner dinner yeah. time. So, what I have, for for example do I I fast the whole day and then I just eat uh, like a huge dinner. So, so you only eat in the evening? Yeah, usually I I might eat like like a late lunch. It depends, of course, on my schedule and and training yeah. and so on. But but I've been noticing that I'm my brain power and, and like uh, blood sugar management and, and uh, gut function and, and everything works works the best when I'm not eating during the day. Okay, interesting. And just for well, the ones out there that, that can't see you, you're one of the, the buff biohackers. So uh, <laughs> people listening and be like, okay, he got to be really skinny when he doesn't eat any food at all. Um, I think there's a, a lot of uh, yeah. skinny biohackers, but I think you are one of the, you would say, buff biohackers, uh, almost going over to uh, to one of the athlete types because uh, you also work so much out, just like Ben Greenfield. So just for people yeah. listening, you can actually go with just one meal a day because that's kind of my fear as well. But fasting yeah. too much, I'm a skinny guy and I have a mm. hard time gaining weight. So like if I only yeah. eat twice a day or so, it must be even harder. But um, yeah. Yeah, you know, my dinners are enormous, so yeah. I eat, eat, <laughs> eat quite a bit, and so, yeah, yeah. but yeah, that's that's uh, also an interesting topic, which which we might discuss later or on in another show. Yeah, facing. But, 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it has to do with, uh, of course, the calories matter. So if you're not going to eat to eat like enough and your total energy expenditure is is high, you're not going to gain mass. So that's that's like the fact. But uh, many people who who like think they're hard gainers, they actually underestimate, or no, I mean overestimate their caloric intake. And and people who are not able to lose weight, they underestimate. So that's been <laughs> <laughs> that's been shown. So it might might actually be that you are not just eating enough, even though you think you did enough. So yeah, yeah, I'm eating, yeah. I'm eating a lot of greens that I don't really gain weight on. I often get yeah, comments that yeah. my plates are quite big, but I, I don't. Yeah. Really, yeah, I eat a lot of greens. You have to eat yeah, a lot of greens to get full. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, that's that's a choice. If, uh, of course, there are like very calorie low, so you're not getting that much energy. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it, I eat a lot of greens, but I I also eat a lot of uh, like animal products. So yeah, it's 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 staple staple for me. Not not least to get uh, enough tryptophan, for example, in the in the food. So to get more better sleep. So I've actually I've actually noticed that if I don't if I feel like okay I I need something usually it's amino acids to get into more deeper sleep. So some source of protein so it's, that's that's like the most helpful thing you can provide yourself it's it's not that you you need carbohydrates that much but you need a good pool of amino acids yeah all right and we have a few more things that uh, that are good yeah yeah that's uh you want to be having enough zinc in your diet so uh it, it's been shown that it's uh, getting enough zinc is actually optimizing especially deep sleep or, or the non-REM sleeps and it's helping also the sleep onset latency which means that you get get into deep sleep more easily and and uh, i would recommend like just measuring your zinc status in the whole blood so you know if you're getting it enough or not and uh, even if you did get enough i would still like recommend trying supplementing with with different kind of zinc sources so yeah and what food uh zinc heavy yeah, well, of course, uh, like, um, well, everybody probably knows oysters, but who, who eats oysters like all the time? I, I definitely don't eat oysters all the time. Uh, one of the best is reindeer liver, but who eats who eats reindeer liver? I, I don't <laughs> that know. That everyone is in Finland. Yeah, beef, elk, like uh, just uh, like liver in, in, in average, so like egg yolks, lamb, uh, vendors, and, and so on. Of course, there are vegetable sources. They are not as highly like uh, absorbable as from the meat source, but they are like pumpkin seeds, cashew, oat bran, brazil nuts, and so yeah. on. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and what else are we going for? Or just uh, uh, going back. Mm. So a uh, blood test for figuring out whether you got enough zinc in your blood. How yeah. quick does that change? Like, so how often do you need to get a blood test? Uh, <clears throat> of course, it's it's about what what you choose, but I would I would take like every six months to see the trends. So you want to be taking the whole blood or or the erythrocyte yeah. zinc. So you, the plasma zinc it doesn't really tell anything about just your intake from the previous day, but the whole the blood. Plasma so you can blood is just a few more words on what that is. Uh, plasma is the part of the blood that doesn't have any cells. So yep. you want to be finding out what's your red blood cell level of zinc. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's more like the long-term intake. And can you get that from the fingerprint? Or? 
Or do you need uh, like, like the the full injection you, in your arm? You can get from the finger, but I would go still with the like the regular blood test. Yeah, from the veins. Yeah, great. All right, going to the next one. Uh, next one on my list is uh, L-theanine. Have you heard of L-theanine? No, can't say that. That's uh, that's an amino acid that's occurring like naturally in green tea. So many people who drink green tea, they find it a bit more relaxing than coffee. Okay, so, I think I actually have a, a small bottle with that as well that I got from a good friend. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So some... theanine is, is it's been shown to increase alpha brain waves. It's been like uh, connected to this more relaxed state, and it's been actually shown to increase blood flow in the brain. And and it, especially when taken with with caffeine or coffee, it's it's really stabilizing the effects. So uh, you might also try that uh, before going to sleep. So it might be help you, helping you to relax and yeah. get more easily into deep sleep. Uh, I don't take L-theanine in the night. I usually take it during the day as if I drink coffee. So, so but many many people do take it in the evening and night, and they they just describe that they fall into sleep more easily and get more deeper sleep. Yeah. Okay. I think we just jumped escape actually for people out there. How do you figure out how you get good sleep? Or whether you get good sleep or not? So the aura ring, yeah. there's the Fitbit, yeah. there's um, a lot of other ones, there's a dream. It goes as, as far as back as to 2010. So I began using, or exa- no, it was actually 2008. So over 10 years ago, I began using the Sleep Cycle app in, yeah. in my phone. And uh, I just realized, okay, I sleep only like five and a half hours, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and I had like many wake ups during the day, during the night, and I was like, okay, this is this isn't very good. So from there, I became more conscious about my sleeping habits. Of course, I knew that I was I was tired all the time, that I didn't sleep enough, but that it was. But what you take is the sleep cycle. Mm. Is that precise? Because I found that sleep cycle, I have wonderful sleep. But my Fitbit and no, my Ring tells me that yeah. my deep sleep is crap. It's definitely not precise. So uh, I was continuing my story. So from yeah. from there on, it, it just it was just like the first signal, a wake up signal for me. Okay, you're not sleeping enough. So I use Ring and, and and find it uh, being being the, the highest quality meter for measuring sleep, and I trust it. Uh, even, even though if it wouldn't be like absolutely like accurate but it still gives you like constant values and you can uh, change, uh, see how you develop your sleep patterns and uh, how much you actually get and i've used also the mfit qs uh, it's, it's uh, under the mattress yeah. kind of device and that was also very helpful they were pretty similar the results with the ordering so all right so yeah. I think you're much more, uh, you have some better sources. How do we know that the O-ring is precise? So I use it and I have told people that all the smart people say it's the most accurate. Like you're saying it, Ben Greenfield, mm. everyone else says like O-ring is, is the best. But h- how do we know that? We don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, there, are, there are none, no, there are no like uh, gadgets that would be absolutely accurate. No. So even even the polysomnographic, which is like the golden standard uh, study for sleep, even that's not accurate. So we don't actually accurately, like precisely accurately know the sleep, but we can go into what's what's like the most 
uh, accurate we have available. Yeah. So in that sense, uh, I, I really like the ordering, and also it's it's like it's very easy to use, and and the um, replication of, of the measurements is, is very stable. So that's that's like the key key here. Of course, there are like different kind of uh, measurement gadgets that might also work very well. Uh, like Fitbit Versa, it's been uh, I haven't not used that personally, but it's been shown to be quite quite good and quite precise. Uh, I also like the Enfit QS. Uh, I'm using this Carmin uh, Vivo Move HR, yeah. uh, but that's not accurate in at all in, in terms of sleep. But it's very good for uh, following my like HRV and and the stress levels. So that's yeah. why I use it for. Excellent. Yeah. So I actually have both the Aura Ring and the Fitbit Versa. Yeah. Um, so both tell me uh, my deep sleep is pretty bad. So uh, I guess it can only you be the device. You have to believe that then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course you can go into the sleep laboratory and, and see how you sleep there. And yeah. uh, usually that's that's the case when people actually, okay, I don't believe my Aura Ring data. They go into sleep laboratory and it's it's the same result there. So Okay. Yeah. But my Fitbit and my Aura Ring give me different results. So it's not- yeah, yeah, that's what I also been seeing. So um, I would go with the trend. What, yeah. What's the trend? If I'm able to improve the amount of my sleep uh, or deep sleep and the quality of the sleep, then that's a good sign. Yeah. All right. There's also the Dream. I'm not sure if you heard about that. The EEG, I've heard, yeah. the French company. Yeah. I haven't tried it, but I've I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but let's go back to uh, if we have some kind of measurement, we believe that the Aura Ring, the Fitbit, and a few of the other ones are good enough to give us a trend. And the most important thing for us is yeah. to look at the trends instead of being like, oh, the data is so and so, and more like how is how is it evolving? Yeah, so, uh, exactly. So what else should uh, should we do? Uh, if I go through my list, uh, what I, I also use, um, many people who are very stressed, they have high cortisol or too, like the cortisol rhythm might be that it stays too high in the evening, even though it should be pretty low. So uh, I've been taking phosphatidylserine, phosphatidylserine uh, supplement for quite a few years now, especially if I train hard. So it's been shown to significantly like lower cortisol especially in the evening. And also it might elevate testosterone because of you get more more of the um, raw material for testosterone production. I like it really, really much. And it's also, of course, uh, just uh, helping with memory and cognitive functions and, and so on. Uh, so that's that's uh, very, very good to try, especially if you're very stressed. Yeah. Uh, but of course, there are like many uh, medicinal herbs and adaptogenic herbs. You have probably tried those two. The research, it's not that like uh, complete on these. So uh, there are some like anecdotal research on reishi, reishi mushroom. Yeah, I, li- I like reishi. It might might help uh, with the sleep and help with the sleep duration. But we, so I just yeah. started with that actually. So I got my first yeah. lion's mane and uh, the rishi as well. Yeah. And the first night I took the rishi, I had two minutes of deep sleep. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty bad. But in general, yeah. I, heard, I heard that people have really good results with it. What is it that yeah. they do? And it might could it be my genes that are bad in the combination with it, or have just been unlucky, or what would you guess could be the the reason? 
Uh, well, I wasn't uh, stressed at all. I was pretty relaxed and I yeah. fell asleep in five minutes. Reishi is it's an adaptogenic herb, so you might not see like immediate results. So it's more like helping your body to adapt to the different kind of situations. So it's not like a sleeping pill or anything like that. So I would go with a, like a more uh, longer period of use with the reishi and then see how it's affecting in the longer term. Okay. Uh, another uh, herb that's been shown to actually also help calm down, relax is ashwagandha and it really uh, helps like to reduce stress, anxiety and so on. So that's basically because it stimulates, stimulates uh, different receptors in the brain. So, Should you also take that for a longer period of time before seeing the results? Uh, with ashwagandha you can actually see the results quite fast even with like just one night of use and that's, okay. but that's what many people have reported to me and what I've also seen. I don't regularly use ashwagandha only in the periods of if I'm like really stressed. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of like saving saving yeah. that in those periods of time. So Makes sense. Yeah. Um, more like uh, chamomile. You've probably heard chamomile herb. Mm-hmm. Chamomile tea. It's been shown to like rela- make more re- relaxed state. And of course, and based on these like sleep questionnaire studies, uh, uh, especially el- elderly and women after having child, they report uh, benefiting from chamomile. Okay. And when do you drink that? During the day or in the evening? Uh, in the evening. Okay. In the evening. An yeah. hour, two hours before going to bed or like five minutes before going to bed and then you're out. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't really matter. It's it's not that like precise. You can drink it whenever you feel like it. So yeah, All right. yeah. And the one one more herb is uh, lemon balm or melissa. So it's been used like in wide wide variety in different cultures and and different times. So it's it's also affecting in the cortisol axis and also it's affecting the GABA. Gala receptors. So, most of the things that uh, help with sleep are actually functioning with either of these uh, pathways. So, it's usually GABA, or of course, melatonin pathway, but usually it's GABA that's helping to relax, or it's the HPA axis, which is like uh, helping with the stress response. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Was that the full 10 list? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I still have like. Uh, Uh, there's this interesting uh, trend that people who use melatonin, they're actually going into more like microdosing melatonin. So they're using like very small amounts. And, and I've, I've also been using that for now. And I've been seeing that it works much better than with the higher dose. Okay, so, so it's more difference in closer doses? to the physiological dose that, yeah. that we would normally produce. Yeah, so it, the microdose is like 0.3 to 0.5 milligrams before going to sleep instead of like using like 3 milligrams or even 10 milligrams. So Yeah, I was told melatonin because I tried that as well. Um, the stuff, um, Dave Asprey sleeps something. I don't remember what he calls yeah. it. But yeah. I was told that it's mostly for helping you fall asleep and not as much with the deep sleep. What uh, is that true or...? Well, usually melatonin helps to fall asleep easier, yeah. so it, it might or might not affect deep sleep. So, uh, so if you have a hard time yeah. falling asleep, 
then of yeah, course, it, if you fall asleep yeah. earlier, there's a bigger chance that you get more deep sleep. If you fall asleep early, it might not yeah. be the the top one to choose. Yeah, it depends all, all on the rhythm. So if you have a like a, let's say you have a rhythm, you go to sleep at at eleven, you wake up at seven, and then you suddenly like go to sleep at one, then you're probably gonna miss the early hours of deep sleep, and and that's so that's usually one of the big, biggest keys just stay constant in, in the sleep routine and sleep schedule. All right. Did we have more on the list? Yeah, there's uh, f- two more things. So yeah. uh, fish oil, yeah. uh, especially the DHA, that might actually help you get more deep sleep. Yeah. And it, it, it's also lowering cortisol. So um, if, if you're not eating fish, especially fatty fish, you, so you might want to try some DHA or just a good quality fish oil supplement. And the last one is, I actually mentioned about this, but, but uh, supplementing with essential amino acids to provide your uh, nervous system and the neurotransmitters and the melatonin synthesis enough raw material. So um, I, I do this also, especially if I'm in a calorie deficit, so I, I make, want to make sure that I'm getting enough amino acids. Awesome. That was a great list. Yeah, a, a lot of stuff to dig into, and great to learn also with the recipe that the the mushrooms from Four Sigmatic that I get at least that I need to do it over a longer period of time. That you kind of know that that's that's what you need to do to see the improvements. So you don't just give yeah. up after one week and you're like that didn't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to stay constant and be a bit more patient on yeah. on these kind of things and. Of course, it has to do with your personality, so uh, you can also practice that. Yeah. <laughs> I heard meditation is really good, something I'm trying to get more into. Yeah, meditation for sure. It's um, It's been so staple for me that I even like usually forgot to mention about that. So uh, it's good, very good point. Uh, <laughs> <just Yeah. laughs> making, making yourself more relaxed and, and just present. Yeah. yeah, I really like all the free stuff you can do as well where you're not dependent on having to buy supplements or having it with you. So like making sure you have a dark room, still costs some money to put some blinds up, but you can turn off the TV and take the the plug out and you can turn off your phone. You can make sure that it's cold in your room. You even save money on that. You can meditate. You can make sure you do some Wim Hof breathing or another method Mm. earlier in the day. You can get out and touch the ground. You can get some sun. That's all things you can do that. That's fairly simple. There are many things uh, also in, in my article, but uh, let's let's save it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These hacks for uh, I, I go through with the hot cold alteration, which we discussed earlier, but also like this low frequency whole body vibration therapy and whole body PEMF therapy, and also with the photobiomodulation, meaning like the red light therapy, and also sound therapy, and, and like binaural beats and so on. So yeah. very interesting stuff in here. Sounds good. I'll have to read the article when we get that up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so quick fire questions. I heard something about honey. Or oh, I think I read mm. that in one of the... Does, does that help in the evening? Uh, a spoon of honey before yeah, going yeah. to bed? Yeah, many many people say that it's actually helping. It, it uh, might have to do with uh, like replenishing the glycogen stores if you are like very, very uh, replenished. And it's, it's also anecdotal evidence that people have been using honey for like ages in different cultures and it's it's been seen as the like ultimate food that's actually elevating your life energy and 
I, I like honey, but uh, I don't use it like regularly. If, if I feel like okay, and I'm, I want honey, but if if I would use, if I would like now take honey, it would like totally cause a huge spike in my blood sugar, and and uh, that's that's uh, eventually causing the blood sugar to drop off. But before you're going to sleep, you're actually elevating your blood sugar in the deep sleep. So you wonder how, how I'm getting like enough energy and, and the stable blood sugar regulation, but it has to do with the fact that you're actually raising 20% of blood sugar in the deep sleep, and then it's it's going slow, slowly into the normal state. But if you're not getting that deep sleep, then you might wake up uh, for hunger during the night. Yeah. Okay, so hunting is something to try as well. I'll make sure to yeah, look up what kind sure. of hunting, some natural hunting and so on. What about kiwis? Yeah. That's that's also what I use. Uh, I eat two to three green kiwis every night because uh, I, I've been finding that it's actually helping me to get more deep sleep. And then there's one research done on young men, so yeah. they they found very positive uh, results on sleep quality and sleep time. So kiwis just before going to bed. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Nancy, for uh, for coming with that as well. It's good to get all the stuff <laughs> that people have been asking and saying like, yeah, this might work, this might work. Awesome. I see time is running out, and I really want to talk to you for hours. So, uh, but uh, but we have to uh, we have to round off within the next couple of minutes. So yeah, sitting and thinking, wow, there was a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, I would love to get some help with that. So I know a lot of my friends and people I talk to, they're like, where can I find a doctor that can help me with that? Is it possible to to book you for consultations or? Oh uh, Yeah, I don't uh, actually quit taking patients uh, about a year ago in Finland, uh, just to concentrate more on, on this, uh, like education and, and creating content and so on. Uh, I give consultations to companies and and. Uh, like uh, on biohacking, but uh, I, I'm not doing like medical advice or or anything like that. But I'm open to consultations. Of course, it's it's for uh, payment. But uh, yeah. if you're interested in consulting yourself with biohacking, that's that's totally what I I'm uh, able to do if my schedule just allows that. So of yeah, course. for sure. So if someone listen and be like, okay, I want a medical doctor and someone that knows that might even just be able to help me set, uh, put together my supplements and how I should test it. And then it would be a possibility to write you and be like, hey, Oli, I know you're one of the experts. It's going to cost me a million. How much do I have to pay <laughs> out to uh, to get you to find an hour or two for me? That's that's a possibility. It's, yeah. it's not it's not the, it's not patient treating and there's no, uh, no patient and doctor relationship created, but it's a uh, I'm more into consultation and it's, you could call it like a preventive healthcare and yeah. just like uh, what, what uh, like Chinese doctors used to do and what acupuncture is for is it's to keep people healthy. Yeah. Uh, this, this system, what we have is just, you go to doctor when you have something wrong. So I'd rather be healthy and. Yeah, exactly. Going uh, <laughs> from sick care to, uh, go to with healthcare. That, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Where yeah. else is it possible to find you? Yeah, we have uh, our book is at buyhackingbook.com, yeah. buyhackingbook.com. That's that's our site, and you can go there from the store that buyhackershandbook.com. Yeah, and also buyhackersummit.com. That's uh, all the events we have, and you can actually buy all the other, uh, the previous events in one bundle if you want to go through like fifty hours of high quality uh, speeches and topics. 
Yeah. So that's that's in the Biker Summit site. Mm. So our next event, it's actually going to be, we're not going to do an event this year, but it's going to be a very big event in Amsterdam in 2020. Fascinating. I'm going to have to be there this time. Haven't yeah. had the chance. So <laughs> I, I read the book and I can, uh, it's highly recommendable for everyone listening. I'm missing one chapter the mind, but um, it's super yeah. nice that it's been made very simple. Like the different things that you can actually test is not just theory, but it's more like it's kind of a cookbook. I hope you don't take that as an offense, but in a positive way, like you yeah, can try and, this and this. Yeah. Totally, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, this works, this works, test this. Um, this is good for your workplace. And here are all the references that you can dig down into to figure out like this is actually, uh, this is for real. So uh, yeah, the, the book is really good. It's a missing manual for a human body. So now yeah. finally we have a, at least some kind of manual how to operate this system. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and then the biohacker center, I'll have to visit you guys in Finland at some point as well. So a yeah. few words on that. Yeah, uh, we have a biohacker center that's an uh, office in, in the top floor, right, right in the middle of Helsinki. So uh, we have about three, four workers here. And of course, Demo and our graphic designer. And, and we have all kinds of fun stuff here. And that's a, that's really a bi act office. Yeah. <laughs> so, from trampolines to breeding Nava uh, walls to, you know, everything in between to like a really real herbal kitchen and, and so on. So. Sounds amazing. <laughs> that's, uh, that's something I have to see so I can see how I can set it up in uh, Copenhagen as well. Yeah. Yeah. A social media, where else to follow you? Yeah. Uh, for me personally, uh, uh, you can follow me in Facebook. Uh, there I usually share like scientific information. Uh, that's by my name. Facebook.com slash Olli point Sobiarvi. I'll make uh, uh, some notes in the show notes for people just as bad. Yeah. And also in, in, Instagram account is at Olli Sobiarvi. So that's that's my account. And also our uh, Biohackers Handbook Instagram account. It's at Biohacking Book. Perfect. And before we round off, any last one to three recommendation for uh, for listeners out there? Yeah, just uh, be curious and uh, find find out what's what's really functioning for yourself and uh, become the master of your mind and body and think of yourself as an exper- experiment for for this lifetime. Yeah. Are yeah. You- Thank you so much. That was a lot of gold that I'm going to test out. I'm going to listen to this episode a few times to take all the notes and, and test stuff out. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.